Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Marilyn Cohen. Uh, she is the founder and CEO of Envision Capital Management based in Los Angeles. She's come out with a new book called Surviving the Bond Market, the, the Bond Bear Market. Welcome to the show, Marilyn. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, before we get into the book and your situation, your, your view of the current bond market, let's get a little bit of your background and your expertise in uh, getting to write this book. Well, I've been in the bond market for 32 years. I was a broker for uh, many years uh, throughout all of the 1980s with Cantor Fitzgerald, always in the bond space. Then I came to the money management uh, side of the business and have had my firm for 16 years in which we manage uh, separate accounts for individuals exclusively in bonds and, um, you know, just been a survivor in, in, in bond land throughout all of these interest rate cycles, Jordan. Now, you, you compare the bond market to uh, a, a nuclear winter, as you have it. In fact, on the cover of the book, you've got, looks like Hiroshima or some kind of a big atomic bomb uh, going up here. Uh, wh why is that an appropriate uh, analogy in today's bond market, with interest rates as low as they are? Well, because they are so low, we're at generational lows almost. And one of the main reasons is the baby boomers who have aged and are either uh, thinking about retirement or are retired have never lived through a, a really, really bad bear market in bonds. You know, in 1994, which was a horrific bear market, they were at the juncture in their lives where they were accumulating assets. They were in all stocks all the time, you know, buying second homes, BMW, sending kids to, uh, to private schools. And now all of that has changed. During the credit crisis of 2008, many, many boomers capitulated out of stocks, went into bonds and bond funds, um, you know, all in, and um, they, you know, they don't know higher rates and lower prices. And I think that that will be a, a mushroom cloud for their financial future if they don't prepare for, um, for higher rates. I'm not saying it's next week. I'm not saying it's next month. But it's going to happen sooner than later. Before we get to the future, let's just briefly describe the past and what we got. We've had an enormous bond bull market for many years, basically since the early 1980s. What was the cause? Years. What was the cause of the bond bull market we've had for so many years? Well, you know, I would say the the, uh, the genesis of the bull market was really um, when we had high inflation during the 19, early 1980s, and uh, then uh, Chairman Volcker of the Federal Reserve wanted to really, really squeeze out all inflation, all inflationary expectations, and so he ratcheted up interest rates, you know, a mile high. People will remember earning uh, 15, 18 percent on their certificates of deposit. People will remember reading about 14 percent um, yields on Treasury bonds and lock and loading uh, 9 percent yields on uh, tax-free municipal bonds. So it was all about inflation. It was all about um, defending the U.S. dollar vis-a-vis -vis higher interest rates. And since that 30-year cycle, we've had many uh, false starts and false stops, meaning, you know, uh, in interest rates increasing on a cyclical basis, whether we were going into a, you know, uh, a really robust economy and then uh, taking us into a recession, but nothing like the early 1980s. So we've really had a bull run with a lot of wiggles and jiggles for 30 years. Is that the traditional length of uh, bull markets and, the, and the traditionally... 
30 good years is followed by 30 bad years? Or what is the long-term cycle in the bond market? Well, you know, um, the, uh, the people that wrote the preface to my book, the, uh, uh, Tom and Sherman McClellan, who are uh, the inventors of the McClellan Oscillator and look at cycles, do believe that we see major 30-year cycles. Now, that doesn't mean there, can be, there, there aren't any good times in between those cycles. I don't know that I believe in the 30-year cycle, but I'll tell you what I do believe. I do believe when you've got budget deficits like we do now and a low dollar and um, commodities prices, maybe not at their tippy-top highs, but really good uh, reasons to, uh, to be buying hard assets and commodities, I think that we've got no place to go but higher rates unless we really deal with our deficits. So the 30-year cycle may be uh, all good and well, but I want to look at the fundamentals, which are not either of the above. So for people who typically buy bonds thinking they're conservative and safe, no matter what happens with the price, I can wait for them to mature so nothing can ever go wrong. Uh, what's wrong with that scenario today? Well, set it and forget it scenario really uh, blew everybody out of the water uh, during uh, the credit crisis in 2008. I think if you buy relatively short to intermediate term bonds, as long as you stay on top of what, you know, what the numbers are, you know, how the company is doing if they're corporate bonds and uh, um, whether they have enough cash flow to make your interest payments and how the municipality is doing and whether they aren't doing uh, anything wild and crazy with their unfunded pension liabilities, I think you can a little bit put it on cruise control um, if they're relatively short term, meaning eight years and shorter. If you're buying 20, 30, 35 year bonds, forget about it, Jordan. You cannot set it and forget it because that is really out there in the ether. And people say, oh, well, I can, I can just live off of the income and I won't look at whether the bonds are up or down. They say that until the bonds go down in value. I've uh, been there, done that, and I know people have a hysteria factor in which when they see their million dollars go down to 870000 because of all of the long-term bonds, they are not happy campers. So it's also that you're saying that not only the value of the bonds would go down, but the purchasing power of their uh, interest would go down because if there's inflation, if they're stuck at 3 or 4%, it's going to be worth less to them as their price of living goes up as well. Absolutely. And besides that, then they have an opportunity cost of not taking the losses and going back and buying today's higher-yielding bonds. I mean, when you look at some of the yields that are out there, you would say, boy, I wouldn't want to place my money out that far for that paltry of a, of a yield. And I think that you really have to look at the risk versus the reward. And we don't know what inflation is going to, uh, to do over the next 10 to 15 years. And so by making a bet uh, with 20 and 25-year bonds, you're betting that inflation is going to be uh, tame. I don't know that that's a good bet. Yet you say that, and interest rates lately have been falling. Uh, the Treasury bond market's actually been strengthening recently, um, despite all of what's going on, the federal budget deficit ceiling and all this. The bond market seems to be getting better, not worse. Why is that happening? I think there's a few reasons. Uh, one of the biggest reasons is called the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has been the biggest buyer of Treasury bonds since they implemented last November quantitative easing, too. The Treasury uh, bond market, and you are correct, has been doing uh, exceptionally well. 
Um, yes, we're up from the lows in November where the 10-year Treasury was right at a 235-240. Uh, it's now around a three, uh, 315 yield. Uh, they, they, rates were higher, but now they're lower. But I think it has to do with the artificial uh, safety net that has been provided by the Federal Reserve being the uh, not just the 800-pound gorilla, but the gorillas filling the whole room uh, every time we have an auction. That said, we also have uh, really bad things going on in the Eurozone. I think if you uh, um, interviewed 12 people in the marketplace that are up on what's going on in the interest rate environment, they would say the following. Greece is bankrupt. Ireland is bankrupt. So I think the Eurozone problems have had a, um, a tampering effect on higher interest rates here in the United States. And um, a lot of institutions, a lot of banks are really worried about what's going on in Euroland, and they have been buyers also of treasuries. So I think all of these problems that are over there, coupled with the Federal Reserve being the buyer of first resort uh, in the uh, treasury auctions, has really given us an artificial sense of, uh, of well-being. So some people would say, well... You shouldn't worry so much. This is going to continue forever. The U.S. is the strongest, most liquid nation out there. Uh, even though our debt has gone from $7 trillion to $14 trillion, we're going to raise the budget deficit ceiling. We're always going to look stronger than Japan, which is devastated with Europe's problems. We're always going to be the last bastion of safety, and people are going to put their money here. So our rates are going to stay down for a long time. How would you counter that argument? Anything is possible. That is something that I learned from the uh, from the credit crisis. Anything is possible. So we would be the <clears throat> most attractive out of all of the ugliness going on in bond land. That could happen. We could get our credit quality downgraded to single A or double A, and rates could still stay low. But at some juncture, we have to deal with our problems. And I think we are getting very close to that flashpoint. You just said the numbers. We have gone from $7 trillion to $14 trillion in, in, uh, in deficits. It's too much. Uh, our debt, I should say, uh, in debt. Our debt is too much, and the entitlements are just killing us. So I think eventually we'll have to pay the piper. And, Jordan, I'd like to go on, on record with you as saying, I hope I'm wrong about a pro, uh, prolonged bear market, because that means people won't lose a lot of money. But there's nothing wrong with being proactive and re-looking at what you own, because what if the forces of evil finally take over? And we do see interest rates revert back to their mean. And the mean over the last 30 years uh, for uh, government securities has been 6%, not the 315 that we are seeing now. What is, can you learn from history in other countries that have gone through similar situations where their debt exploded? Uh, what was the end game for them? Uh, restructuring. The end game has always been restructuring. What does that mean in plain English? It means a bond that you paid um, uh, 100 cents on the dollar gets redeemed at, at 50 or 60 cents on the dollar. So That's what they're talking about doing in Greece now. So you think that would be likely with the U.S. Uh, Treasury debt? I don't think it's going to be likely, no. I think, it's, I think that the probability is extremely, extremely low on that happening. Uh, but I do think that all of this debt ceiling that needs to be raised and the, uh, and the spending that needs to uh, be curtailed is going to take us to a, a, a very um, uh, uncomfortable brink in the bond market. And it may be the bond vigilantes, like we saw in the 1980s, that have to short treasury bonds, ratchet up interest rates in order to make Congress say, hey, we need to sober up about our spending.
What is your guess as to what's going to happen after QE2 ends at the end of June? I think uh, probably for the first several weeks, nothing. I don't think that uh, bond prices are going to fall off of a cliff right afterward. But I do think you have to say, how, you know, how long do we have until that August period, until Congress really comes to some kind of, um, pardon my expression, come to Jesus moment where they have to deal with the deficit. So I don't think we're going to have a, a, a cliffhanger regarding QE2, but I do think that QE3 is totally out of the question. So if QE3 is out of the question, that means that the only short-term solution is to have some kind of a raise of the, the, the uh, budget ceil deficit ceiling. Uh, how do you think that's going to get done with the current political situation in Washington? It's going to be a brawl. It's going to be a knockdown, drag-out fight. It's going to be in your headline news, in your face every day. And I think what will ultimately happen is that there will be a debt ceiling raised with caveats about spending. And, I, and if that happens, I think, Jordan, that will be a very good first step. None of this happens all at once. It is in, you know, baby steps, incremental steps. But that would be a very, very good first step. And the bond market might embrace that. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Marilyn Cohen. Uh, she is the CEO and founder of uh, uh, Envision Capital Management. Uh, her new book, just out, is called Surviving the Bond Bear Market. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. 
Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Marilyn Cohen. She's the founder and CEO of Envision Capital Management, a Los Angeles-based money management firm specializing in bonds. She has just put out a new book called Surviving the Bond Bear Market, Bondland's Nuclear Winter. Welcome back to the show, Marilyn. Thank you. Before we get into this, just tell us there is a website uh, where people can find out more book, about the book. Tell us about that. Yes, um, the website is uh, survivingthebondbearmarket.com, and on that site uh, you have a little bit of a preview of the book, and equally as important, there are four videos that walk you through the electronic workbook that is um, given to you uh, with the book. You just have to download the electronic workbook to your desktop, and all you need is an Excel spreadsheet, and you can uh, do a lot of analytic work that um, your brokerage firm doesn't do for you. So t- tell us a little bit more about what is in that workbook and what, what kind of things can you do with it. Well, first of all, Jordan, after being in the business over 30 years, most individual do-it-yourself investors have multiple brokerage accounts. Many times they have one or two discount online brokerage accounts and a full-service uh, account. And when they look at their positions, they look at, you know, the Fidelity account. Then they look at their Schwab account. Then they look at their uh, Morgan Stanley account. But they never look at all of the positions as one account. Therefore, they don't know what their uh, interest rate sensitivity is, meaning duration. If interest rates move up 1%, what's it going to do to their individual bonds and how much is it going to take down their portfolio? 2% would be even you know, ho- more horrible. They don't look at their allocation of um, you know, how much do they have allocated to the financials, to autos, um, to the uh, airline sector. And what the electronic workbook uh, does is it, um, it allows allows you to put in all of your bond positions and your bond funds and then cl- and keep your accounts separately and then click and look at all of the portfolio as one portfolio and um, give you a breakdown not only uh, as far as sensitivity analysis is concerned, yield to the worst call in case the bonds are called with French straight stay low, and duration analysis. And of course, um, I think that all of the above are very, very important. Very good. Okay, your first uh, chapter of the book is what you call warning signs. I just want to briefly go through some of the warning signs of the bond bear market you see coming. The first one being what's happening with interest rates. So what should people look out for there? Well, I think that they need to look at the Treasury yield curve because that is the litmus test of what's going to happen to everything else, meaning looking at um, how short-term, intermediate, and long-term Treasury yields are doing. Uh, when we were at historic lows during the credit crisis, we were in the 2% area for 10 years. Now we're in the 3% area. Um, right now, the overall interest rate uh, that we have to pay on uh, government debt is running at an average of 2.2%, whereas the 30-year mean is 6%. So if you see the 10-year Treasury moving up or down in yield, that gives you a good idea as to how everything else is going to trade. because. Munich trade as a percentage of treasuries, corporate bonds trade as a percentage over treasuries. And if you understand that treasury yield curve, you'll understand what's going to happen. Everybody always says that treasuries are riskless. This is giving you the riskless return. If we get near to this uh, debt ceiling and uh, it doesn't get resolved in some way, do you think that kind of basic uh, view of the world might change a bit? I think it'll scare the living bejesus out of everybody, but I don't think it's going to change totally because of all of the other things going on um, that are uh, negatively influencing uh, the bond markets. 
markets, meaning uh, what's going on uh, in the euro land and uh, the, the Greek debt, the Irish debt, Portuguese and Spanish debt. So we could even get our AAA-rated uh, U.S. Treasuries downgraded, and it still might be the prettiest girl in school, even though it's unbelievably uh, blemished. Okay. The next warning sign you have is credit problems. What should people look for in that area? Well, you've seen it already, credit problems in Muniland. That I, I have a whole chapter on that, maybe even a chapter and a half, talking about how the credit quality is deteriorating because of not only um, revenues not coming in uh, as fast and furiously as the state, cities, and counties uh, needing, but their spending is barely moving the needle, meaning the spending has been curtailed some, but certainly not enough. And just to give you a couple of statistics, uh, the first quarter of 2011, Moody's downgraded 3.9 municipal bonds for every one that they upgraded. We haven't seen horrific numbers like that since 2002. So um, municipal bond credit quality is deteriorating. We have seen corporate credit quality uh, um, be much better because corporations have been doing it, everything that they could possibly doing it right, meaning cutting overhead, cutting back on their uh, long-term debt, cutting back on their high coupon debt. So you have to watch, you know, whether the credit in the sector that you're interested in investing or already invested in, whether it is deteriorating or whether it's improving. So uh, that, those, are, those are big, big concepts. So do you think in this current circumstance it's better to invest in corporate bonds than muni bonds because of the risk? Absolutely. If you said, which is, which is your favorite corporate bonds by a long shot. Now, corporate bonds were in an unbelievably sweet spot all of 2010. Things have changed a little bit, meaning the following. The massive amounts of, of cash on uh, corporate balance sheets, are, it's being spent, uh, being spent with share repurchases, uh, increased dividends, special dividends, and of course, we're seeing a lot more uh, mergers and acquisitions. But it seems to me that the mergers and acquisitions are being done more today with cash, equity, and debt rather than all debt. But nevertheless, corporations have much more transparency. Every quarter you know where they stand and how well or how poorly they're doing. Whereas with municipalities, you may be lucky and get your uh, financial statements annually. But not all of them file annually, even though they're supposed to. So the transparency and the information is much more uh, ready, it's more available with corporates than it is with municipals. A lot of people are saying that there's going to be a massive amount of defaults in municipals. Uh, Meredith Whitney particularly is talking about waves of municipal defaults. And some are saying that's completely overblown. Where do you stand on the possibility of lots of municipal defaults? I think there will be lots, but I think they're going to be the small uh, issuers. There's going to be a lot more stadiums, parking structures, museums, uh, nursing homes, some of the small hospitals that can't... Um, uh, you know, can't compete. But I, I think that that's going to add up, but not to the uh, two to four hundred billion that she who should remain nameless has been talking about. I do think it's going to be, you know, a, a high water year in 2011 and maybe even worse in 2012 because so many issuers have gone into their, uh, their reserves and spent that money. And, you know, it's like negative compounding. Once you've spent that, it's very hard to dig out of that hole. But I do think they will be, there, no states, uh, no big cities, but I do think there'll be some of the small entities, like I talked about, that are not essential to, uh, to everyday life. 
Now, some would say that the fear of that default has already been priced into the market, and muni bond prices have fallen, and muni bond yields have risen to extraordinary levels, so that at current very high yields, you're being compensated enough for that risk. Would you agree with that? No, I do not. I do not think that the, no, the nominal yields in muni land are anything to, uh, to write home about. I'm not interested in putting um, my money or my client's money in a 10-year AAA bond at a 2.9%. I'm not interested in buying a single A uh, um, 20 year bond at five and a quarter percent. When we had the credit crisis, uh, you could buy good quality seven year bonds, eight year bonds, seven to eight years, and yield five percent. So the people that are saying that, it's not that they are telling untruths, it's that they're comparing it to treasuries. What percentage of treasuries can you earn? And now many munis are yielding 100% or 105% of treasuries. But the treasury market, as we said 15 minutes ago, is, or at least as I said, is artificially being propped up. So everything being equal, this is not an equal conversation. So I don't think that there's a huge amount of value in munis at the moment. Now, in the past, people would get insured municipal bonds as a way of protecting their principal and interest. Is that an option today or not really? That game is so over. It used to be that over 50% of all newly issued municipal bonds were insured. The issuers would uh, buy the insurance from AMBAC, MBIA, um, uh, FGIC. There was a, a alphabet soup of uh, different insurers. And all but uh, Berkshire Hathaway, which stopped insuring over a year and a half ago, munis and um, and uh, uh, the uh, AGO is actually the, uh, the the ticker symbol of the uh, assured guarantee. Assured guarantee is really the only uh, the only game in town. They are no longer AAA; they're AA. They are insuring you know that which they believe is worthy of insurance. But that's why uh, going back to something we talked about earlier, set it and forget it is over. Used to be able to buy uh, municipal bonds that are uh, insured, and if the issuer defaulted, then the insurance would pick up. Your your timely interest in principal payments. That is untrue anymore. So that's why you have to not only look at the, uh, the underlying uh, issuer and whether they have the wherewithal to make their timely interest in principal payments, but that's why set it and forget it is over. You also say another warning sign is whether you're going to have inflation or deflation. Now, some people say we have inflation coming. Some people say we have deflation coming. Where do you stand on that, and how should that affect your view on bonds? Well, I think inflation, um, not pervasively, but certain pockets of inflation are here and they're here to stay. Uh, you know, certainly I think that, uh, that energy inflation is here, food inflation is here. I would say if, if home prices were moving up, everybody would be on the inflation bandwagon. So you have pockets of, of areas that are, that are not doing well and they're, they're kind of in a deflationary mode. But I think overall the Federal Reserve has made it very clear that we are reflating out of this, uh, this uh, debacle that we were in uh, in 2008. And um, when you uh, debase your currency and you try to reflate assets, as they have successfully with bonds, as they have successfully with equities, that we, there will be more inflation uh, down the road. Will it be uh, 1981, uh, 1982 style? No, I do not think that, the, that uh, it will get that bad. But I do think we're going to continue to see higher inflation, and um, the only thing that's going to quell that is uh, higher interest rates. And so higher inflation is, is not good for bonds? 
It's not good for bonds because bond prices go down. Uh, the purchasing power of your uh, of your income uh, deteriorates, and it's it's all bad. So uh, that's why so many people have flocked to to tips and uh, and uh, corporate inflation protected securities because they want to make sure that they continue to uh, preserve their buying power. Okay, very good. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Marilyn Cohen. Uh, her new book is called Surviving the Bond Bear Market. Uh, she is the uh, CEO and founder of Envision Capital. Uh, the website related to her book is survivingthebondbearmarket.com. We'll be back after this. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that will work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Marilyn Cohen. Uh, She is the founder and CEO of Envision Capital Management in Los Angeles. Uh, She's just come out with a new book called Surviving the Bond Bear Market. Welcome back to the show, Marilyn. Thank you. Uh, we talked about inflation. Uh, now, some would say that that's not really a problem. The deflation is the problem, that we have falling home prices. Uh, manufacturers can't uh, pass through prices, that there's worldwide deflation. W- what would that mean for the bond market? Well, that would be uh, nirvana for the bond market because that would mean that uh, interest rates would go uh, limbo low, bond prices would rocket uh, to the moon, and um, uh, the bond market would be on an unbelievable bull market tear. Uh, you know, 
uh, we have seen glimpses of the deflationary scare, uh, but that's not what the bond market is telling us now. I think that really all we need to see in order to perk up the economy more is, uh, you know, better jobs numbers, which are coming along. I mean, how many recessions have we all lived through where it said, oh, it's a jobless recovery, it's a jobless recovery, and then it starts becoming a recovery with jobs. It just takes momentum and time. And I think, you know, jobs, more jobs will beget uh, more people buying homes. It's just a matter of time. But I think that uh, you can always pick out pockets of, um, you know, of, of, of deflation, and certainly housing is one of them. But that is not what's running uh, and uh, being the juggernaut of the, uh, of the economy now. It's, uh, it's been manufacturing better. It's been uh, goods and services. And, um, you know, we've really done okay, even though a lot of deflationists saying that, are saying the sky is falling. Now, some would say that the, particularly Bernanke and the Fed, and not only domestically but around the world, Federal Reserves around the world, are very much worried about deflation, which is why they've done QE2, why they're pumping up the money supply, why they're having bailouts for Greece and Portugal and so on, and why the Japanese are printing huge amounts of money, because they're concerned that if they didn't do that, we would have a deflationary collapse. Well, you know, we, we, we won't know because at, they, you know, they haven't stopped doing all of that globally, but I think at some juncture, and that's coming up soon, um, the Fed is going to have to stop because we cannot have a dollar go, you know, continue to go down. Ever since quantitative easing two was announced, what the dollar's down, what, uh, 12 or 14 percent? depending on what minute of the day you look, and um, that has certainly helped our, uh, our exports. But the bottom line is I think deflation is, you know, yesterday's uh, scare. I think inflation now that, you know, the commodity markets are really telling us something. The, uh, the growth of the emerging, emerging markets are really telling us something, that, you know, with the growth of those emerging markets and the growth of middle class throughout the world, they want more meat. They want more wheat. They want more food. They want a better life. And that will all come to roost in the inflationary camp, not the deflationary camp. Do you think investing in emerging market bonds is a good place to go where these countries are growing? I think it is. I think it's, I don't ever think investing is an either or. I think it's an and. And I do think that emerging market debt is a, uh, you know, certainly the, those countries' balance sheets are in, uh, uh, you know, are in uh, better shape than, than they were 10 years ago. Certainly some of them are even in better shape than ours because they don't have, uh, you know, a plethora of, of debt crushing them. So I think some of these uh, no-load emerging market debt funds, even though they've, they've done unbelievable well will will add value to an individual investor's portfolio so yeah I like that idea what would be some names of some of the funds you would like to play emerging market debt uh, Vanguard is always a, a very good a low-cost producer uh, fidelity does a good job but I think that your listeners need to be very very sensitive to what kind of fees they are being charged because some of these big fat fees end up giving you little puny uh, dividend or, or I should say uh, income returns so the, the lower the cost, the better. Um, I think that uh, I would stay away from the exchange-traded funds at this juncture. They're just, um, you know, they're traded and they're more of a rock and roll type of, uh, type of investment because so many of the hedge funds and large institutions like to short them. But I do think emerging market debt is, is giving you some spread, which Bill Gross always talks about, some increased yield over Treasury yields.
You also talk about a warning sign being confiscatory tax rates. What, how would that affect the bond market? Well, it, it, it may be a mixed blessing depending upon what sector you're in. Um, you know, if you're in munis, it may be part of the answer, higher tax rates, if they uh, accompany that with, uh, you know, limited spending, in which this is how um, a state that's in such uh, grave financial problems like Illinois, like California, may be able to uh, not grow but work themselves out of their debt problems. For the U.S. governments, um, I think it could be uh, a, uh, a real prop-up for the dollar, but that doesn't mean that interest rates won't continue to, uh, to move up because um, the, it, it's it, it's it's a global market. The Treasury market is a global market, and it will take its cues from the debt crisis. It will take its cues from uh, Congress and, of course, uh, those that we rely on to buy our Treasury debt, and that, of course, is number one, China. You also say that government spending is a warning sign. Uh, now, there's all this talk about cutting government spending all over the place. You think that's going to solve the problem or not really? I don't think it's a, it will solve the problem, but it is one of the, um, one of the uh, solutions out of, a, uh, out of a, a line of solutions. If you uh, cut the, cut the, uh, the debt by, by increasing taxes, in conjunction with ratcheting down spending dramatically. And this big spending, the, uh, the, the two big uh, names are spending on Social Security and Medicare, and that's what's putting us in the poorhouse. The uh, spending that we do on uh, education is not. The spending that we do on the defense is not. I mean, when you take a look at some of the charts that have been issued by the, um, uh, by the Office of Budget and Management, the charts will just knock your socks off, Jordan, because um, when you take a look at uh, entitlement spending has increased 11-fold between 1965 and 2010, while re real GDP has only gone up three-fold. Okay, those numbers cannot keep going in that trajectory, which tells you you can't grow your way out of it. We'd need, what, 6 to 7% GDP growth in the next three years and then another probably 5% five years after that in order to just catch up. So those numbers on, um, on, on, on debt and spending uh, on entitlement cannot keep going like this. So what's going to happen? Well, I think that what will ultimately happen is the game of chicken has to be, uh, you know, uh, has to be over. That's just the way any game of chicken is. And I think what will ultimately happen is that um, they will increase the, uh, the uh, age in which people can be um, uh, to have, can have Social Security available to them. I think eventually Social Security will be means-tested. Nobody believes it, but I have clients that are, you know, multimillionaires, and they're getting their Social Security checks every month. They don't need it, and they take it because they say, why not? Everybody else is, but I think we'll have a means testing. It may not happen in the next uh, four to five years, but I think by the end of this decade, we, we will have that. Another warning sign you talk about is foreign influences in the bond market. What should people look for there? Thank you so much for asking that question. What we need to look at is how well our Treasury auctions go, and meaning that um, uh, every 60 days we get the number called the tick figure. It tells us how much of the Treasury market foreigners own. 
And um, we all know that China is the biggest buyer of our U.S. treasuries, and it's in their, be- it's in their benefit because they need to recycle their, uh, their export surplus somewhere in the treasury market, no matter what we have said today, is still the, the safest and the deepest and the largest market out there. But if they start to curtail their purchases and allow their maturing treasuries just to roll off, then we need to monitor that because that may be the beginning of the end for low treasury yields. And I think that that's what's going to occur. They are building up a middle class in China. They are, uh, the Chinese uh, have no interest to continue to buy uh, a security in which the currency it's denominated continues to erode. And I think they've, at some of the uh, G7 meetings, have made it, uh, or I should say the G20 meetings, very clear that they're the masters now. They are the economic and financial masters, and I think we are going to be uh, dancing to their tune at some juncture if we don't uh, if we don't clean up our, uh, our our deficit problems. So, what does that mean, dancing to their tune? Does that mean that they they are the bond vigilantes and they'll force us to cut our uh, spending on entitlements and so on? Or I think that could happen. Uh, they are the bond vigilantes. Let's say that they don't show up at uh, in in great force at two or three of our treasury auctions. Last April, April of 2010, we had a treasury auction that just went terribly. And um, come to look at the tick figures, the, uh, the, uh, the Chinese had not uh, participated very much. And lo and behold, the 10-year treasury in a nanosecond blipped up to 4%. And everybody was shaking in their boots, including me, saying, okay, this is the beginning of the end. Well, that didn't happen uh, because then they, they, they came back and the yields were high enough for them to want to uh, be reengaged. But yes, you have to have demand out there. And if they don't become the vigilantes, then I think that um, there could be some, some small groups of vigilantes that start speaking with one voice, and that one voice will be loud and clear. Some were saying that the uh, dollar, as the world's reserve currency, is threatened, and as the dollar keeps falling and people lose money on it, they don't want to do that, that some kind of a basket of currencies would replace it. Do you think that's likely anytime soon? I think it could happen, but we have heard this trial balloon and see it, seen it a couple times. Um, and, you know, when the, when, uh, the Eurozone was, uh, you know, was better adept at, uh, at managing its own finances. There was talk that they would use a, you know, a basket of currencies with the euro and the dollar you know, uh, being, the, uh, being the, head, uh, you know, the head of the pack. I don't think that that's going to happen again, but I do think that uh, if we don't get our act together, certainly by the end of this decade, it would not be improbable to see a basket of currencies, and it would include the dollar. China will force that issue. And so what would that mean for holders of treasury bonds if the dollar were no longer the world reserve currency? I think it would be well telegraphed, and I think it, would be, uh, it, it wouldn't be a, a, a cataclysmic event, assuming that we get our own financial house in order. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Marilyn Cohen. Uh, she's the founder and CEO of Envision Capital Management in Los Angeles. Her new book is called Surviving the Bond Bear Market, and we'll be back after this.
the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Marilyn Cohen. Her new book is called Surviving the Bond Bear Market. Welcome back to the show, Marilyn. Thank you, Jordan. One of the other warning signs you talk about is bond fund flows. Uh, What happens when people start redeeming their bond funds to the bond market? Well, you know, if they do it in a measured manner, nothing. But that isn't usually what happens. And let's reflect on uh, recent history People started getting scared of what was going on with the state, cities, and counties in November of last year, and they started selling their municipal bond funds. And it was billions of dollars being sold a week. We are now into the 26th consecutive week of outflows of municipal bond funds. People are saying, that isn't where I want to be. I'm worried about it. It was supposed to be safe and secure, and it's not. And if you're a bond fund manager... 
and you get all these massive redemptions as they did in November, December, January, February. It's trickling off now, but still, we've never seen 26 weeks. If you are the manager, you are forced to sell your bond positions in or enough bond positions in order to meet the cash redemptions, and selling begats more selling. So we've had a perfect example of the pile into muni funds when they thought that the Bush tax uh, extensions weren't going to uh, get extended, and then you saw a piling out. And after a 30-year bull market in, in bonds and w- w- at such low yields, do you think you're going to be the last guy standing and that you'll be bailed out in a fund? I don't think so. So you have to watch those flow out of, out of, in and out of bond funds. Uh, we saw massive outflows out of munis. Now we have to wait and see whether corporates, uh, tips, um, uh, mortgage-backed securities, and high yields are, are able to maintain their, uh, their shares. You could see the same thing happening in uh, treasuries, where you have an out- outflow from treasury bond funds. You could, but you don't even need, for treasuries, you don't even need to look at that. All you need to do is, uh, is, is watch in your daily paper how the 10-year treasury is, uh, is doing. I would say that the majority of treasuries are not held in funds, um, but certainly municipals were. Uh, certainly a lot of corporates and high yields and emerging market debt is. And then you talk about bond spreads being a warning sign. What should people look for there? This is a very easy warning sign to be able to detect. You look at, if a, if a broker is offering you a corporate bond, XYZ Corporation, and it's an investment-grade corporate bond, and if the difference in yield that you can earn on that bond versus the same maturing treasury bond is 65 basis points, 0.65 uh, today, and you see by November it's a 165 basis point spread, that tells you several things. The price of that bond is down. The expectations of higher yields is in the market. The, the narrower the spread, the less the expectations of, a rate, of rate interest rates rising. The, more wide, the wider the spread, the difference between your yield and the yield on a treasury, then it shows you that there's danger ahead. Higher rates, maybe problems with that particular company. And so that spread, how it widens and narrows up, is very indicative of what's going to happen in the bond market. Is it sometimes overdone? For example, today the spread on Greek bonds would be extremely wide over German bonds. Is that a sign to buy or that the market goes too far? Or Once you see a widening spread, what do you do about it? A widening spread like we have seen in, uh, in, in Greek debt uh, or Irish debt is telling you there is danger ahead, major danger. And it doesn't tell you that it's cheap. It's telling you that the problems sometimes are so, uh, so huge. Ten-year uh, Greek bonds are now yielding over, a little over 15 percent, about 15 and a quarter, whereas two-year Greek bonds are now yielding almost 25 percent. It tells you things are all screwed up. And um, so, you know, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a buying signal. It may be a sell signal. Uh, we saw spreads widen dramatically in 2008, the spread on treasuries versus the spread on high-yield junk bonds, because everybody was scared that the, that the system was coming apart at the seams. In that case, it was a great buying opportunity. Uh, it wasn't a selling opportunity. So you have to not only look at the spreads, but look at the fundamental reason why the spreads are so wide or so narrow. Okay, we've gone through a lot of reasons why things could go wrong in the bond market. For people who want safe, high income and are concerned about all the things we've talked about, where are some places people should put their money uh, in the bond market, which you specialize in? Well, there are some places. 
Let's begin by saying there's two ways to make money in the bond market. You either take interest rate risk or credit risk. I, for one, am willing to take credit risk now and not the interest rate risk. So that means drilling down on some individual names of companies that are in the high-yield space but, are that, but that are doing um, significantly better because they have either turned around their business, uh, turned around their balance sheets, and they're off to the races. Let me give you my buy of, uh, uh, of this year, and that's CIT. CIT went went into bankruptcy uh, during the credit crisis, is out of bankruptcy. John Thane, who is running CIT now and who wants to um, uh, get his good name back, has been doing everything great. They have paid down high coupon debt. They have cash on the balance sheets. They're paying off their, uh, their 7% bonds. So they have 7% bonds due in 2015, 16, 17 that are trading at very minimal premiums because they've all got short call dates. So you can get in the 6% area with CIT group bonds in which theirs is a turnaround story. Same thing with, uh, we saw that happen with Ford. Ford has turned its balance sheet around. Same thing with Macy's. So I love good turnaround stories in which the balance sheets are, um, uh, you know, are, uh, you know, just doing great in comparison to where they were. If people didn't want to do individual bonds, what bond funds, either closed end or open end, would you recommend in the high yield space? Um, I would say I, I would stay away from the closed end funds because almost all of them are leveraged, and as soon as short term rates move up, uh, people will get uh, will, will really get hammered. Um, uh, once again, I like no load funds that have very low low uh, expense ratios. Uh, Vanguard is the first one. Uh, I like uh, a lot of the T Rowe Price funds. I like a lot of the Fidelity funds. I think that you can find some high yield funds. They've all run, so don't don't misunderstand me saying that they're bargains. They've all run up in price, and uh, and the net asset values are way up, and the and the dividends have been reduced somewhat. But I think if you keep your finger on the eject button, you can make a a decent rate of return uh, between now and the end of the year in some of those high yield funds. And how about floating rate funds? Do you like those? I do like floating rate funds, but I would only buy those on a pullback because retail investors have piled into them. And, um, you know, most of them are bank loans, so I think that that's a, that's a good way to go. And uh, being that you asked about floating rate uh, securities, I really love uh, corporate inflation-protected securities, SIPs over TIPs because those uh, corporate inflation-protected securities give you a fixed rate, and the CPI component that is so important in, uh, in preserving your purchasing power is paid out to you. Most of the payments are, um, uh, the, the interest payments are either quarterly or semi-annually, and you don't have to wait for that CPI component until the bonds mature or until uh, you sell them like you do with the tips. In about a minute or so we have left, why don't you just kind of sum up what you see happening in the bond market and how people should protect themselves? I think that the tug of war in the bond market will continue between now and, uh, and the end of the summer. QE2 will not go into QE3. And I think slowly but surely we will see a better uh, economy, better unemployment uh, numbers, and I do think that we will see higher rates between now and the end of the year. Will they be sky high? No, but I think that the March will be on uh, you know, after the Fed steps away. Very good. My guest uh, this hour has been Marilyn Cohen. Uh, she is the uh, founder and CEO of Envision Capital Management in Los Angeles. Uh, her new book is called Surviving the Bond Bear Market. 
Uh, the website to find out more about that is survivingthebondbearmarket.com. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Marilyn. Jordan, it was my privilege. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.